Hello, good evening. How are you? It's good to see you. And welcome back to the Daily Bible Reading Show. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 46. Let me pull it up on my computer. Isaiah chapter 46. And let's begin with a prayer. Heavenly Father, please help us to understand your word, to love it, to hear it, and to obey it, applying it in our lives. Please do this by your spirit um, for your glory alone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, first of all, it's been a while. I have been taking a week's break, uh, so I haven't had one of these episodes out. Well, I did. I think I did do one random one, um, Psalm 106 or something, last week. But otherwise, we're back. And so we're looking at Isaiah chapter 46. I'm, I'm, I've decided I'm going to do like maybe one episode a day rather than all four passages. And this is just to keep things manageable, but also so that I can kind of like take my time and reflect on the passage and just reflect on the events of the day. So yesterday I preached at the Milton Keynes Chinese Church. Thank you so much for having me. I learned so much joining them each time because they're just so together. It's a big group of people all working together, encouraging one another um, and just so well planned. Um, they run through the service half an hour before and they, are, they have different people in charge of the different aspects of the service, the music, the technical bits, the service leader, and they all do it so well and they do it so well together. So I, I, I'm constantly like scribbling notes. Okay, I need to copy this. I need to do this the next time we do this at the Chinese church here in, the, in Cambridge. Uh, so I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, I think I have a video of my practice uh, just before the service and that's up on the various social media platforms. Uh, congratulations to my buddy Dirk if you're listening to this well done on finishing your thesis good job praise God you know you really persevered through that um, also looking forward to talking to my buddy Darius tonight um, to King Kai we're gonna have some tea and have a virtual mamak session tonight so looking forward to that a good old friend from Malaysia we're going to be catching up tonight after this but for now we're looking at Isaiah chapter 46 and this is verse 1. Bell bows down. Nebo stoops. Their idols are on beasts and livestock. These things you carry are born as burdens on weary beasts. They stoop. They bow down together. They cannot save the burden. But themselves go into captivity. Verse 3. Listen to me, O house of Jacob all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he. To the gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, I will carry and will save. Verse 5. To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be alike. Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh out silver in the scales, hire a goldsmith and he makes it into a god. Then they fall down, fall down and worship. They lift it on their shoulders. They carry it. They set it in its place and it stands there. It cannot move from its place. 
if one cries to but it does not answer or save him from his trouble. Remember this and stand firm. Recall to mind, you transgressors, remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. Verse 12, listen to me, you stubborn of heart. You who are far from righteousness, I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. And that's Isaiah chapter 46. And it's really worth noticing that one word that is repeated again and again and again, it's just so obvious that word carry so in the beginning verse 1 Baal bows down Nebo stoops and these are things that you carry that are born like you imagine this weight that you have to carry and you have to bear on yourselves and they themselves are carried by you so these are two names of gods of idols Baal and Nebo, they're um, Babylonian gods. In fact, my uh, NIV, sorry, is this the ESV? Sorry, my ESV Bible has the heading, the idols of Babylon. So these are two chief idols of Babylon, which are constructed, you know, here idol actually refers to statues or images that they have to carry <laughs> and, and place them into a temple. And he describes them as things. Verse 2, they stoop, they bow down together, they cannot save the burden, but themselves go into captivity. Verse 3, listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, whom have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb. So in verse 1, you're worshiping idols that you have to carry you have to you have to lift up and you have to place on your back but god describes his people as people whom he has carried whom he has borne on his back from before your birth he says i carried you from the womb and he carries us he carries his people all throughout their lives up to the end of their lives verse 4 even to your old age i am he and to gray hairs, I will carry you. This is a God who bears our burdens. And this is probably a synonym for, you know, our heaviness of sin. And he bears with us. He has patience with us. But he also sustains us. You know, God doesn't just create us, but he sustains us all throughout our lives to the end of our lives. But more than that, this picture of carrying and bearing our burdens transforms into this image of salvation. It's a picture of how he has saved us out of death into life. Verse 4, I have made and I will save. I will carry 
and will save. So there's that connection, that further connection between God's creating, sustaining, but also saving us, and therefore displays God's love. Verse 5, To whom will you liken me, and make me equal, and compare me, that we may be alike? And this goes back then to the idols. You know, why are you comparing me to those things that you made that cannot carry you? You have to bear these burdens. It's just so silly. But why are you comparing me who carries you to those items, those things, dead things? And verse 6 describes how we dress up these things ornately with precious metals, gold and silver. Verse 6, those who lavish gold from the purse, they spend their own money and weigh out silver in the scales. So imagine this is like a goldsmith shop. You know, I'd like to purchase this much gold and silver. And it's not to make a gold ring or to make an ornament. No, it's to adorn their idols. Verse 6, they hire a goldsmith and he makes it into a god and they fall down and worship that god. So you're spending your own money, you're carrying these things, and then you're bowing down as if that is your god. Now it's worth thinking, as silly as it sounds, why this is attractive. The idea of having a god that we can make and bow down and worship, even though it is a burden to us, not just that we have to carry it from place to place to place, you know, it, this is literally true. In Chinese customs, when you have these altars, you know, maybe you have one in your home, these altars in your living room with the different idols. When you move home, what do you have to do? You have to move the altars. You have to carry them. When you're renovating your home, you have to move them out of the place. And then when you're done, you have to move them back into their place. And so it's a burden in that sense. But also there's cost. You have to spend money to buy these things and to make them and dress them up and make them look attractive. And God says, you know, it's not just how silly it is that you carry these things, but you do not recognize that I have carried you. The fact that you have life, that you can actually grow to your old age and not recognize it is God who's carried you and even saved you and given you this new life. It is pure folly and it is the very definition of idolatry. It's taking something that God has given you, salvation, life, goodness, love, meaning, and identity, and investing all the thanks and gratefulness and you know all that, all that comes from that, that flows from that life, and investing it in someone else. Instead of saying, thank you, God, for all that you've given me, you take that thanks and you redirect it towards something that your hands have made. So again, why is this very common, very attractive? That happens again and again. It's because we don't want to acknowledge that God has given us our lives. It is in fact more attractive for us to imagine that something that we have made has then repaid us for all the effort that we've poured into this idolatrous practice of worshiping something that it's made by our hands, that we paid with our own money, that we carry on our backs. And therefore, we are essentially worshiping ourselves. We are thanking ourselves. Hey, look at us. I built this life, and therefore I deserve this reward. 
Verse 7, they lift it on their shoulders. They carry it. They set it in its place. It stands there. It cannot move from its place. If one cries to it, it does not answer or save him from his trouble. And it's worth just thinking through all those times when we were in trouble, when we needed help. And the silence you get back from praying to these idols. They, they cannot do anything. They cannot save. They are not alive. But God who has made you and sustained you is more than able to hear your prayers, to save you from that distress, that trouble, that darkness that you're experiencing even right now. And so the antidote to this is to repent, turn back from idolatry, but also it's to remember all that God has done for us in the past in saving us from slavery, from sin. Excuse me. Verse 8. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind. You transgressors, remember the former things of old. He keeps saying, bring it back to mind. Remember something that you have forgotten. And remembering what? Verse 9. For I am God. There is no other. I am God. There is none like me. It's worth, therefore, distinguishing God from his creation or from created things. God creates us. We do not create God. And therefore, God cannot be compared to anything that we see or encounter or even make in this lifetime, in this creation. He is not like other. God is separate from us and from his creation. Verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. And here and now it's talking about the knowledge of God, you know, how God is able to speak what's going to happen. It says that verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning. So before it even happens, God has already said what's going to happen, the end <laughs> from the very beginning before it even starts. And the ancient times, things not yet done. So, so it's not just God can tell the future, but that God determines the future. It's not that God is saying, oh, this is going to happen, and therefore when it happens, you know that it really did happen, but that God says, I have determined that this will happen. It's God's will that determines what happens in this lifetime, what happens tomorrow, because God's will is bringing all things towards an end. And that's what he's, we're, he's trying to get us to acknowledge, that even before God created the world, he created a purpose for this world, that this world exists, our lives exist, to give honor and worship and acknowledgement to God as God. Verse 10 again, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. It's worth asking, what is that purpose? Or even realizing that there is a purpose to creation. It's not random. It's not that it will just fizzle out at the end of the day or that there is no meaning. But that God invests this meaning in his creation even before there was a creation and that he's driving that meaning in the events of creation. I will accomplish this purpose. And this end, looking forward to the Lord Jesus Christ, is that all glory will go to God and God will put all glory 
upon his son that all will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord and judge and Savior. Verse 11, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. So this is a specific purpose, specific event, a specific person that he speaks about, this man from the far country, the bird of prey from the east. This is foreshadowing um, a foreign king named Cyrus who will come and attack, but also, in a sense, liberate the country. So he's a foreign king, an enemy king, in a sense, that God will use to bring about his purposes, such as God's providence and power, that he doesn't just use the good people or his own people, but he can use this foreign enemy king to bring about good towards his people. But we'll find out more as we read through Isaiah. But this is already a hint that what's going to happen, God has already purposed it, God has determined it, it will happen. Verse 12, therefore, listen to me, you stubborn of heart, you who are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. That God would invest his identity, his honor, his namesake, and his glory in this one place, you know, Zion, and in this one people, I, Israel, that's meant to show the reason why he saves it. Now, he's not saving you, he's not pouring out salvation on you because you're this good and treasured people that you're, you're so special. If anything, he calls you stiff-necked, you know, you forget that he's God, you bow down to these idols. But God, because of his own purposes and his own will, has invested his glory in this people and not anyone else, in this place and not anywhere else. Therefore, God will accomplish his purposes that will seen in this place and these people that will reveal his glory, his godness, and his salvation. So, in other words, what's this talking about? Well, there are two turning points, you know, uh, and it both centers on the people of God. Number one, the people of God who turn toward idolatry. God says, turn back. People who take something that belongs to God and invest it in a thing, in a shape that looks like God, in a thing that they make into their gods, that's the definition of, of idolatry. And therefore, it doesn't have to just be a statue or something in a temple. It's anything that God has given us that is good, but we turn into God. I, I've stolen this from Tim Keller. So it's not original. But essentially, it's, you know, God has given them their lives, given them purpose, given them their money, you know, their, 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 you know, their identity. But they use all these things to create mini-gods, versions of themselves that they turn into God and they worship as God. And therefore, again, it's something good that God has given them, their lives, their freedom, their salvation, but they turn into gods themselves but because they refuse to worship God as God. So that's the one thing turning back from this idolatrous practice of, 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 of giving away God's glory to a thing. But secondly, it shows that God will save his people. And therefore, in saving his people, God will reveal his glory. And the way that God saves his people is by using this enemy king, this uh, bird of prey from the east, verse 11, this man of counsel from the far country, and when that happens, 
you will know that God is God. When God somehow, and this this is pretty amazing because Israel compared to all these superpowers, Syria, Syria, and all these big nations, Egypt and everything, it's nothing. And But God is able to use these huge forces to show that God invests all his attention, all his glory, all his goodness in this nowhere, nobody, backwater nation called Israel so that God will say that I am their God and I will use, show my glory in the salvation of these people. Um, yeah. I realize that it probably wasn't as clear as it could be, but that's what I have. Looking at Isaiah chapter 46 today from the Daily Bible Reading Show. Um, you know, maybe you have further thoughts and further insights on this. I would really genuinely, I would genuinely, genuinely be interested to know them. Uh, but for what it's worth, this, these are really are my first impressions. Um, and yeah, it's uh, again, it's nice to be back after that long break. I hope this was uh, encouraging for you. I hope uh, I didn't say anything that was too far off. Um, I'm trying to be as conservative as possible. I know that I've, I've, I've had feedback from the past, you know, don't go off the rails too much. And I try not to do that. Um, but yeah, this is uh, helpful for me as well. You know, um, idolatry is something that is peculiar to people who are conscious of God. You know, if you don't believe in God, you know, idolatry happens still, but, uh, but especially for those who know God, idolatry is maybe even a more peculiar temptation because, you know, you know something that God has given you, but you don't want to acknowledge that God has given you that thing, and therefore you create something else to redirect all that thanks and glory and praise, and that's idolatry. And, you know, for people who have received so much from God, you know, not least, you know, salvation and freedom and just that joy of worship, it is tempting. It is, let me tell you, just for myself, it is tempting to redirect all the attention that it should be giving to God to something else that I made, that I'm proud of, that I carry on my back to show that, hey, look at this, and not realize that at each and every moment of time, God is still carrying me, God is still saving me, and God is still revealing His power of sustaining me by his grace otherwise you know i wouldn't stand by that grace so that for me that that for me is just a reminder to remember to stand firm and to stand firm all the way to the end this has been isaiah chapter 46 uh, let me pray heavenly father thank you so much for these reminders we need them and we need to redirect our attention back to you. Thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ, in a sense, gives us new hearts to worship you, to recognize that you are our God. You carry us even at this moment all the way to the end. Uh, help us to look forward to that end when we'll see Jesus face to face and give him all the praise, all the glory, and all the fame that is due to his name that he deserves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me. Take care and God bless. Bye-bye.